Murder in the Rain would like to give a big hello, welcome, and thank you to our newest Patreon supporters. Jeff W. from Phoenix, Arizona, Ruth from Sutherland, Oregon, Kim S. from Atlanta, Georgia, Nicole F. from Salem, Oregon, Jess H. from Menlo, Iowa, and Paige B. from Clayton, New Jersey. And if you want to hear your beautiful name be said by our even more beautiful voices, feel free to find us on Patreon.com and search for Murder in the Rain. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters for their continued support. I'm Emily Rowney. And I'm Alicia Holland. This is Bill Camp, the voice of Forensic Files 2 on HLN, and you're listening to Murder in the Rain. We've seen our nation enthralled with missing person cases. From my own fixation with Maura Murray, who disappeared without a trace in 2004, to the recent case of Gabby Petito, who was found dead in Wyoming just days ago and whose fiancé is still on the run from police. Something about these cases speaks to us. It's so easy to be gripped by the twists and turns, theories, red flags, rumors, and potential suspects, but only after it's been picked up by the mainstream media. Why do some cases have such sensationalism while others struggle to be aired on the news? Some might say it's ageism, it's attractiveness, it's socioeconomic status, it's being white. And those are probably all true. And that's why some true crime podcasts find fulfillment in what we do. We can cover cases without thousands of people rooting them on on social media. Cases where there are struggles to even get the police department to do their job and treat it with severity and urgency. Today is a little bit different than my usual case because we have the opportunity to learn from a family member. I'm going to give you an overview of the case, and then we have the honor of speaking to a person who has to live with the daily pain of not knowing where their loved one is. I urge you all to listen to the entire episode. I think it can be a little uncomfortable to talk to someone who's going through this, especially when there's the uncertainty if they're ever going to know more than they do today. But as true crime fans, I think we owe it to people to sit through that uncomfortableness and show them what real support is. You've heard from family members on our show before, and it can be very powerful and illuminating. This episode focuses on the case of Graciela Garcia, a woman who has been missing since November of 2019. Her case has the typical heart-wrenching nature of not fully understanding what happened to someone, but it has an added level of frustration because it doesn't seem like the police are doing everything they should. Graciela Garcia goes by the name Gracie. She's incredibly well-liked, funny, loving, adorable, and she seems like the type of person you would absolutely want at your karaoke party. She immigrated to the United States from Mexico when she was young, and her family settled into the northeast corner of Oregon in a city called Hermiston. Being a strong and tenacious person, she built up her own business called Correa's Beauty Salon, raised four amazing children, and made an impact on everyone she met. But in an instant, she disappeared from the lives of everyone around her, and they're all left wondering, what happened to Gracie? On November 8, 2019, Gracie's 14-year-old son Jacob was staying with his father. Her and her ex have joint custody of her son, so he often traveled between their two homes. That night, Gracie had plans to take Jacob some dinner. This was something she did pretty often when he was staying with his dad. However, she never showed up. Instead, her husband arrived on her son's doorstep with the food and told him that his mother had already gone to bed. Jacob had two missed calls and a text message from his mom from around 7 p.m. prior to her husband stopping by. Later that night and the next day, when he tried to return her calls, they went directly to voicemail. According to her children, Gracie always has her phone on her and never neglects to return a call or text or check her social media accounts. So her not getting back to Jacob was a red flag. The next day, he told his sister about the missed calls and not being able to get a hold of his mom, and worry started to travel throughout the family. Sibling after sibling attempted to call Gracie, and everyone went straight to voicemail. Her children continued to try to contact her for two days. Eventually, Gracie's husband, Cuadamo Romero Sanchez, who goes by Chone, went to her eldest daughter Annabelle's house to tell the family that Gracie had left him in the middle of the night, claiming to have awoken the morning of November 9th to an empty bed. The state of the home added to their growing concerns. Her children had access to her house and noted that when they arrived, Gracie's car was parked at the house. Her purse her clothing, and her jewelry all remained inside. On November 11, 2019, her family decided to file a missing person report. 
An investigation began and police discovered there were a few items missing from the home. Gracie's license, passport, and cell phone were all missing. According to the phone company, a final ping to a cell tower was received near the Umatilla Bridge at the Oregon-Washington border on November 9th at 12.30 a.m. It's assumed her phone was turned off after that. So that would have been a few hours after her husband dropped off the food at the son's house. Police have described Gracie's disappearance as suspicious, and they've questioned her husband regarding the fact that he didn't file a police report and his phone was off the entire day she went missing. Mm-hmm. Red flag. Police claim he has cooperated with them throughout the investigation. He allowed them to search his home. He submitted DNA samples, and he even took multiple polygraph tests. Tests that you'll learn in the interview had interesting results. Graciela's children don't think she would voluntarily leave town without telling anyone. Not only does she have a teen son that she shares custody of, she owns her own in-home salon and is well known for her dedication to her customers. She's rarely out of touch with her children for more than a few hours, talking daily with her youngest son. I sat down with Gabriella Bautista, one of Gracie's daughters. My goal was to get some clarity on a few events, learn a little bit more about Gracie, and find out if what I read between the lines in news articles was true. Were the police really doing their job? Was her mother's husband shady as hell? Please listen in as I have a chat with Gabby. Why don't we get started by you just introducing yourself and letting us know how you are related to Gracie? My name is Gabriela, and I am Gracie, uh, Graciela Garcia's daughter. Um, I'm the youngest one uh, from the my other sister. It's four of us. Uh, I'm her youngest daughter. Um, we are from Hermiston, Oregon. Um, it's just a little town out here in Oregon. Um, I'm really bad with knowing the direction. So I think I'm on the Eastern side. You are. <laughs> I drive, I drove by you yesterday actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm from the, I think Northeastern side and I am, uh, I just turned 27. So when my mom went missing, I had just turned 25. So it, it is almost two years, um, since this case has been opened. Yeah. So tell before we jump into that, tell me a little bit about your family. So you said you have three siblings, two are older and one is younger, right? You have a younger brother? Yeah, um, it's my sister, Annabelle. She's the oldest out of all of us. And then it's me. And then it's Arturo after me. And then it's Jacob. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Jacob is the youngest. He's about to turn 16. Um, Arturo is he's 23. My sister is like... I think she's 32. Um, I forget. After and 30, I, I, the numbers don't matter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she's going to get mad at me. Um, but yeah, and I'm 27. Um, I can hardly believe that. But <laughs> I know. yeah, it's I, just three of us. And you guys, um, your mom and dad are the same for everyone, right? No, Annabelle has her dad. Okay. Um, I have my dad and then my brothers have their dad. But, um, you know, my mom the good thing about everything, although, you know, some people are going to, they judge that is that she's a very independent person. Like she worked really hard to provide right. her kids. She didn't let that stop her. Like she went to school, got her degrees, uh, two of them. And then, um, she still had kids and she continued to move forward. And so she's just a big motivation to all of us. Um, my dad, the one that raised me is my little, so both of my brothers have the same dad and their dad raised me. So I don't oh. consider him different. I mean, since I was two years old, he's been in my life. Um, Annabelle has had a relationship with her dad since she was young. Um, and we've all actually had a relationship with my stepdad um, since we were little. Mm-hmm. So it, she still considers him a stepdad. I just consider him my dad. And then, you know, my brothers, well, that's their dad. So, <laughs> right. So let's go back then to November of 2019. Talk to me about the last time one of you or your siblings saw your mom. When was that? I honestly cannot even remember the last day I saw her, but I remember talking to her like around November 3rd. So Mm -hmm. a few days before, um, I talked to her. I'm not sure my sister, I think would like text with her and then her kids would like call grandma and um my brother the little one was the one that talked to her the most because you know he's little and he would go 
you know, he'd be from my, go to my dad's and then come back to mom and like back and forth. I just remember the last conversation we had was um, about helping a friend of hers, like find an apartment or something like that. And one of the things that gets me is that in those days, um, I also remember that she seemed really weird. Like she wanted to get out and she told me, Hey, um, she texted me. Um, do you want to like go somewhere? I want to get out of here. I want to kind of get away from, uh, so her husband, it, it, he was, I mean, they called him Chon. <laughs> I know you're probably like, what the hell is that? I <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't really mean anything, but I guess that was his nickname. And okay. she's like, I want to kind of get away from Chon. Like I I'm tired of always being around him. I want to get out. I want to go out. Um, can you pick me up? And I was like, damn it. Like I'm not able to, at the time I told right. her mom, I'm busy. You know, I can't go today. Um, she's like, I kind of want to go to the casino, like just kind of have some fun. And, and I, that's weird. I, I was like, my mom's acting weird. Like this she does is not usually weird. do that. No. Um, usually she'd just be like, Oh, well, what are you doing? She'd call us and oh, come eat. Or do you want to go to the store or something? But when right. she said, I want to get out, uh, just, maybe she wanted to talk to me. I have no idea, but I just regret that so badly because I didn't have the time to do it. And now it's like, I stay with what, what happened, like what would have happened if I would have gone out with her and she would have right. told me that I could have saved her but then again it's like I didn't know this would happen so it's not my fault and I don't blame myself for it um yeah, of course my brother the time that he was supposed to get food from her uh that was like a the day of or the day before um so I, I think I read it was November 8th yeah they had plans and then her <laughs> the last time her cell phone seemed to be on was that night yeah. Um, her cell phone pinged at around 12 okay. a.m. on November 9th. It was the last time it pinged and they found it um, crossing the bridge going towards Washington. Because like from, let's say, Hermiston, you mm -hmm. drive through Matilla, which is where the McNary Dam is. You go up through the freeway and then you cross over to Washington, like if you're going to Kennewick. And right. that's where they said that they pinged the phone but we don't even know if to believe it anymore um but then I know my sister had contact with her the day before for sure because her kids were with um my mom that night the, oh, literally so the seventh the night yeah. before okay they they went with her to tri-cities they were eating they were um with her and she took I think both of the one of them was too young to go out with her but the other two were older and they did go with her and um I know that they're the last ones that saw her too, the okay. kids. So, yeah. Okay. So then the, the night of the eighth, when your brother was expecting her to come by, talk, talk me through that. So what I read was that your, that her husband showed up instead. Is that, is that true that he brought, yeah. he came over with food and was yeah. your brother concerned by that? Was that weird to him? Um, knowing my brother, he doesn't pay attention to every little detail. Um, mm -hmm normally like for me I would have thought oh well there's something off but him he's right. like oh well where's my mom um and he said oh she's sleeping she couldn't come she so he's like oh okay that's fine what caught him off a little bit was when he had two missed calls mm -hmm. and that was before she went to was going to take the food um and he didn't think anything of it until I saw his phone and he showed me and I was like what the heck like there's two missed calls. I was like, you should have said something to one of us. Maybe right. something happened. Like, I feel like my brother thinks that in the middle of him bringing food, something else was going on that nobody knew of. Like something I, we feel because she's our mom, we know she was probably in danger and she needed help. And we just were not there and we didn't know um but yeah it was really weird to him that he brought him the food because it was always her that did it or right. if it was just one or the other um or both of them together they would come together like he'd be in the car she'd just drop it off and they would leave but in this case it was just him so it wasn't a normal thing for my brother to he just didn't think it was right like something was wrong so when your brother tried to return her call is that when he brought that to you guys to be like oh, mom, this is weird. Like she didn't answer. Like, when did you think something was up? My brother, he had told me this like a day after. 
Mm-hmm. So I think it was on November 9th I found this out. And then okay. we didn't know anything until the, the I think it was the 10th when my sister um, came to me and told me that something was going on. And that's when we finally were like, okay, we got to report this. Um, but my brother didn't really think anything of it. Um, he's just like, oh, you know, she probably just couldn't answer. Usually, um, she would always call us back though. That was a thing. She would always return the call, send a message. And he was kind of worried at that point, like, the the calls are going to voicemail she's not answering like what's going on um and then that's when we were starting to be concerned and we were starting to ask each other like what's going on with her she never turns off her phone she never just ignores our calls she's on social media and stuff I imagine she's checking that pretty often right Mm -hmm. so when you you mentioned your sister figured something was wrong was that when did she go to the house so two days later he went to her house and then um he started like just it was weird to, to Annabelle. She's like, uh, this guy never comes here without my mom. Like, what the right. heck's going on? So he went over and I wasn't there. And he told her, your mom's been acting weird. Um, I don't know what's going on with her. Like, she she hasn't been home. I don't know if you guys have talked to her. I remember going to sleep and the next day she the next morning she was gone and I I don't know what happened she doesn't answer my calls Hmm. I guess he started crying and saying you know she's been acting really weird lately and I I just don't know what's going on with her I don't know if she's not happy I don't know if she's going through something I, I just see it as kind of trying to um what do you call that when you're trying to like hide your guilt like he knows he's guilty but he's trying to hide it um and I think that's what she thought like it was really weird so it was either that day or the day after she came to my house um I live like down the street and she's like hey um she called hey are you home I want to talk to you Mm -hmm. um something's going on with mom and I'm like yeah I'm home so she came over and she was acting really weird. Usually my sister, like we have this certain sisterly um, way to talk and she wasn't being that way. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Sean came over and he started telling me and bawling out that she's been acting weird. She's been acting different and that she hasn't been home, that her phone is off. If she doesn't return his phone calls, I was like, she doesn't ever do that. And she's like, yeah, exactly. Like she wouldn't just turn off her phone for days. And I think my sister started like crying and she's like, I'm just really worried. Like I have a bad feeling like this isn't mom. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. So I grabbed my phone right away and I called and it went straight to voicemail. I called like three, four times and I just couldn't believe that, you know, that was true. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel so bad and I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't even want to think about what could have happened. So um, we kind of just talked about, you know, about her that day and then after that um she was at our aunt's house on I believe the 11th is when it got reported Mm -hmm. so that was three days later and so my aunt was there and then my aunt's daughter was there which is our cousin and she saw a police officer pass by and she told my sister hey you know there's a police right there I think it's for a reason like we need to report your mom missing now like we need to do do, do something so we had to report her. They reported her missing because he never did it. He just came to us um, to tell us what was going on, but we reported her. And so ever since then, there was an open case since November 11th, 2019. Mm-hmm. And they started the investigation after that. So did your sister give you the impression that Chone, is that how you say it, Chone, that yeah. he was <laughs> genuine? Did he seem like he was genuinely worried and crying or that he was just pretending? We thought he was pretending because we know him. He doesn't cry. He, he's a mean person. Like he's always, but very vulgar. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he's not respectful. Like he, he always has a, a bad word to say in a sentence, between a sentence. So for mm-hmm. us, it's like, well, we know him and we know that something is a little bit off with the topic. Right. And to say that he always changed the story. So it just didn't make sense. And I, I knew that, you know, he was lying and I, even my aunt told him, and this is where my aunt went off on him and he never came back. <laughs> um, she told him, Hey, well, I need you to tell me in Spanish conversation. Like, I need you to tell us where the hell my sister's at. She's like, you're full of shit. Sorry. Maybe I shouldn't. No, you can say um, that. <laughs> you're she's, like, you're full. she's like, you're full of shit. I know my sister wouldn't just leave. I know that you know where she's at. So you better start talking mm-hmm. because it's not going to end well. And he started, um, this guy eats like no other. So usually like two, three plates. And that day he didn't even finish the plate that my aunt had served him. Cause he went over to her house and he didn't even finish the plate. And my aunt's like, 
well, I don't believe him. And she right. told him, I don't believe you. You're lying. I know, I know Chela, my sister, I know her and she wouldn't just leave like that. And so I told her right away, I'm like, Tia, um, he didn't eat his food. That's already a red flag for me because he probably felt so guilty that he couldn't mm-hmm. let any food go down his stomach. Like, I, I mean, I, I could imagine that that's what anybody would feel like. You don't, you have no appetite, right? The crying started again with him and my aunt wasn't buying it. She's that's when she went off on him. And so what was his, what was his excuse for not filing the missing person report himself? He said that he thought she just left, needed to be away for a few days. He he um, had admitted that they were having problems mm-hmm. and that they were fighting a lot. Um, and he just thought, oh, well, maybe she left or she left to somebody else. He's like, you know, she was talking to another guy. So I think that maybe she left with him. Uh, we were like, well, I mean, why didn't you say anything sooner? Like the minute you noticed that she was gone the next morning, how come, like, why didn't you say anything in that moment or call one of us instead of Mm -hmm. waiting and then coming forward to say that your mom is not home she left and all of her belongings are here I know for sure that he didn't intend in reporting her and once we reported her is when he started becoming distant like he didn't like that we did that it's like dude um this is our mom we're not gonna my sister literally my stomach started hurting because it's true she's like imagine if we would have never like reported her like how many days would have gone by and we and we would have just let the case go right something you know worse could have came up and I'm like yeah well either way I mean she still hasn't came up he you know there's just so many theories like his stories don't match up and um we all know that he's like hiding something but I mean he lived with her and my brother wasn't there that night is and it's weird because the night that he was going to get the food he went with my dad he went with our dad instead of being with her so it's just weird like I think if he would have been there would something have happened to my brother too or would nothing have ever happened like Mm -hmm. it just so many questions and we just never know um what the answer could really be only she knows what happened and and him too so Well, that, that's my question for you. So it seems like the conversations I've seen online and, you know, I posted a TikTok video about your mom and you, you've seen it. And we, there was someone who posted, uh, saying he did it and he had something to do with it. And you, and com- you even commented, like, how do you know that there is a lot of chatter online that people say that. So it's clear that it isn't just you guys that question his story. Do you have more information on the types of stories he has told police? Yeah, he told the police um, that she left and he didn't know where how, where she went, that that he was asleep and that he didn't feel her move. Um, and then he says, well, I have nothing to do with it. I don't I don't know anything um, like about what could have happened. She just I just didn't feel her. A lot of the times that the police officer, the detectives didn't tell us everything because it's kind of like something that they have to work on privately and they can't um could interfere but he would just say like oh well we were fine and then oh no we weren't he he I I know I don't know exactly like everything he would say but I just know that he changed up his story so much um like just making himself look like a victim like he never had issues and the reason why we know um a lot of her clients came forward and they they messaged us privately on Facebook and some of them said well we don't I don't want my identity to to be out there. Like, I don't want nobody to know, um, anything that I'm saying, please keep it private. Um, but my husband was the last person, you know, uh, my husband was the last client that she saw and he noticed something off about her. Um, I, and then another friend, well, I talked to her a few days before and she was telling me crying that she was upset. She didn't know what else to do, that she was frustrated that, um, there was too many problems with him. So all of like the, the stories that he would say, that he didn't have anything to do with it and then all the clients coming forward um it just didn't match up and Mm. so he did take according to the detectives he took three lie detecting lie detector tests Mm -hmm. and they were all inconclusive so I just feel like mm, if it's inconclusive it's for a reason like it, it it's either you know yes or no but if it's in the middle it's because something's off and so he doesn't, he never really like talked to, to us anymore. So 
I know that he talked to the detectives as much as he wanted to because he didn't even want to see enough. So I, I what I do know um, and I could say is that the detectives did tell us, well, you know, we've had so many different stories from him. We we can't really say much, but they just there's a lot of stories he's made that don't make sense like he comes he goes from this to this and then it's like back to this square one and it we're it just doesn't add up and they just told us well we just know that when cases come up like this and that they keep changing the story it and it doesn't add up it's because something's off um that's when we started to know well yeah something is off like right. the detective thinks that it's because it's true and we know her so i mean it's just, it's a lot, like a lot of things. So how do you feel about this investigation? Do you feel like they're doing everything they can? I don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors, like where they, if they're working on it or not, but based on the actions or the action that they, you know, proven, I don't think that a lot has been done because mm -hmm they haven't called us like barely like maybe a month ago I got a call from a detective and that was after like a whole year and um I I feel like if they were doing something they would be updating us um they would be kind of con like not constantly but here and there hey you know we just wanted to let you know we don't have any updates or the update is that you know there is some information that came up but we can't really disclose that yet nothing like they leave us literally at nothing and so even after the march and the vigil like they they didn't like that obviously they don't want to be seen as bad people but right. the whole community has came together and they've all agreed that the detective on the case is nothing but like what do you call it a crook detective i mean honestly like i've oh, read crooked. a lot about him. Mm -hmm. yeah and like he he doesn't do his job right um I know that they went on their page after they got called out by the community saying, start trying to say that, you know, um, the GoFundMe um, is not money that we're taking. Um, and everybody's like, of course, we don't want you guys to take it. We want the family to have that money so that they could go and investigate what you guys aren't doing. And right. so they didn't, they didn't like to be called out. And that's, you know, we, we weren't the only ones calling Matt, which we have a right to, but the community, mm -hmm. when they come together, it's because everybody's mad that nothing's being done. Nobody's updating. Um, it's gone as far as people actually posting on the local, like, pages on Facebook saying, hey, has anybody heard about Graciela Garcia's case? What's going on? Um, I did argue with somebody on that post one time because she started um, saying that she's like, well, you guys don't know what the detectives are doing. You guys shouldn't judge them. And I said, excuse me, but if this was your mom missing and you didn't hear by, from the detectives for a whole year, you would be mad and you'd be concerned and you'd be also saying that they're not doing their job. I mean, I understand yeah. that um, there's certain things they can't say, but at least let us know something. And I mean, it's just sucks that they don't, I, I don't, I don't feel like a lot is being done, but maybe somebody is doing something and we just won't know yet. Um, right. But yeah, we, I had a detective come forward recently, like I mentioned, and he did have some information. Um, we provided a laptop of my mom's like a year ago. It was shortly after she went missing. Okay. Um, and he told me that they're going to look into the computers. So right okay. now they're in the process of like looking into it and seeing if they find anything. There's a lot of things that I've noticed that, I mean, besides the detectives, like with him, like her husband, it's just, or like my mom's Facebook. Um, a lot of things have been a little bit just weird. And um, I don't know. <laughs> Has there ever been a proof that she was talking to another man? Like your, like your stepfather says? Well, what happened was that this guy I think he told us the name of the person and we did actually talk to him he came mm -hmm. to my sister's house um it was me my sister him and my mom's other sister and her daughter we were all there asking him questions like what happened like were you gonna see her um and and he's he just started he looked so scared he looked so suspicious to me mm -hmm. like he he didn't look right like um 
the way that talked to him and he started crying and saying like, Oh my God, like, I just, I feel so bad. I don't know how this could happen to her. And, um, you know, we did have a relationship going on. She was telling me she wasn't happy and she wanted to move on from him. And I just, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened. He's like, I just want to come clear and say, I don't know anything. And he just looked weird. So I, I, I was like, mm, I don't know. We, we kind of noticed him off and then, we saw him at Walmart a few times and then my cousin saw him too. And she said he looked at her all frightened every single time. It's hard <laughs> to say. Just, yeah. It is yeah. an awkward situation. Even if he didn't have anything to do with it, it, yeah. it is hard. You don't know how to react to people in that kind of scenario, but that yeah. is argument toward, um, you know, a lover's quarrel. Cause that does happen more often than not. That is yeah. the case. And that would be reason. So in terms of the investigation, in the, in the news articles, police always referenced that her disappearance was suspicious. Do you feel like they did think that right away that they were treating it like an abduction or something? Is that the, the way the investigation was going? I think that they started treating it as a homicide. Like Oh, really? Yeah. The detective did come and say, you know, I just have to be honest. Um, we feel like a crime was created, like a, a crime was done. Um, right. when he said that I was just kind of like in shock and thinking, no, like I, I don't want it to be a crime, but I mean, at the end, it's like, we can't really say that we can't really say too much because we don't know anything either. And me and my sister were like, well, why, what makes you think it's a crime? He's like, based on, you know, the information we have about her relationship with the husband and how toxic it was, it just seems like there was a, like a, a murder or something um you know also there was a shirt that he had um and it had like what he what they said was a looked like a blood stain mm. and so they wanted to investigate the shirt to see if that had to like any blood of my mom or if it, if it was anything related to her um and so we obviously were scared we're like wow like a homicide like that's a crime that's scary and that's kind of the way that they ruled it in the beginning um, till now, they still think the same way. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of evidence about it, but they, I, I don't know what makes them exactly think that it could be related to that. We, I don't know if it's because they hear our story and then they hear his story. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe, maybe they have information they're not sharing. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's something they would share with you though. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think? How are you feeling about it? Cause I know in the, towards the beginning of everything, there were questions on whether she was, she was kidnapped and may still be alive. How are you feeling today about it? Um, I, I could say and speak from the past when she recently had left. Um, I thought that, you know, maybe she's hiding. And then I thought, oh, maybe she got, maybe, maybe she got kidnapped. Um, maybe she was forced unwillingly and taken, um, right now, I, and I did think at times like she was alive and um, now I just, I mean, as her daughter, I feel, I don't, I don't think that she's alive anymore. Um, and it's hard to say that, but I know I say it because of her relationship and where he comes from and, you know, who he's related to. And um, a few months before this happened to her. I started to get a gut feeling that this was going to happen to her. I started to have a bad feeling thinking my mom, like, I be, I feel like she could get kidnapped. She could get murdered and it could have something to do with related to him or um, where he comes from. And it just was scaring me so much. Right. And I think she knew something was going to happen to her because she started talking to, to me about her 401k and where to find it. If oh something my God. happened. Really? Yeah. So I started crying and I was like, mom, I was like, mom, I don't want to, I don't want to hear this. Like, why can you, just, I was like, can you just stop and tell me why you're, why you're talking about something like this? And she's like, I don't want you to worry. She's like, but I just want you guys to be prepared. If something happens to me, like I need you guys to find this because I don't want him to keep my property, to keep my belongings, my money, um, 
my assets, nothing like I had nothing to do. And so I was starting to get scared. And after that, I was like, wow, like something is going to happen. And um, I started to cry and I just hugged her and I'm like, mom, no, like nothing's going to happen to you. Um, you're going to be okay. And she just started, she, she had a folder and it had her information in there. And I was like, wow. Damn it. Yeah. So I think she started to like feel that something was coming. Um, and it, it just started to get scary after that. Um, I feel like maybe, you know, she's not here anymore. I just, I feel that way. Um, we try to keep ourselves positive and hopeful, but at the end it's like, well, we don't know anything. There's no information. There's no evidence. According to the detectives, they had evidence and they literally let, let it get destroyed if that's what happened. But what? please elaborate. What do you mean? Um, there was a blanket in her washer days after we, when we had found out she went missing, I went into her house because I had, I have a key uh-huh. and I was like, the blanket in here is not supposed to be in here. It's, it had been soaking for a few days. And the reason I know that is because when I brought this up to the detectives, they asked him about it and he said, Oh, that, that, um, that blanket's been there for like three days. It's just soaking. And I'm like, you're going to uh, say that. Like, And the reason why I know is because I know my mom, um, the washer, she would never put big, heavy blankets in it because it's going to break it. That's right. what she would say. If I ever put a load, like an extreme, extreme load of clothes, she would yell at me. <laughs> and so I knew I'm like, this is not like, this is a, this is off. Like the fact that there's a blanket in here and he says it's like three days old how do you guys not go and take that blanket and look at it and and you know so get they, didn't, some... they didn't even take it when it was no. located no they they left it there and that's why we got mad because we noticed that they're not doing anything and they said well there's no evidence I'm like you you want to interview us and ask us what we think so that it could help you know more about her case well I'm telling you I know my mom and she would never leave a blanket there like okay. she just wouldn't do that and that's not enough for you to take the blanket. We were so mad because they didn't even take it. They didn't take her rings. They didn't like, there was a lot of things that were in there that we just like her clothes and everything was still the same. Um, her rings were all like in the same spot. And I did, they do know that I took her ring that she had forever since my grandma was alive, which was 23 years ago that she had passed away. Um, and he noticed that it was gone. And that's when I'm like, okay, like, Either he put the rings there to set somebody up. And if somebody took something for him to call it out and be like, well, that's gone. He's like keeping his eye out because we would go into the house because my brother, you know, he's little and he had things to get. Right. Also on her, um, her salon was in her house in one of the rooms. She built it into a salon. Um, her book of her appointment book, there was a red dot on there too. Um, like a red stain and it, it literally looked like blood until this day my my mom's little sister um she's she's like we need to check that book to see if it's blood because she's like something's telling me it's blood and I'm like yeah I'm like yeah we you know we told them but again they don't they don't they take us take it. and it's been so many years like not so many years but it's been so many months already and now they want to go and check the computer now they want to call us and say they're looking like what the heck is going on with the system. Um, I don't know. It it just, it's sad. Like that blanket could have been a piece of evidence and yeah, absolutely. And, and do you have the appointment book? Do you guys still have that in your possession? It's at her, her, um, salon, but I have a picture of the stain. Like I have a picture of the actual, um, stain that we saw in there. Unfortunately, it feels like this happens to so many families where you're literally fighting for your case to be dealt with, to actually have them doing their job. Yeah. That's really frustrating. I feel like they should test that paper for blood. Like why, why did they not do that? So have you, has your family reached out to the FBI to get their input? We reached out to the FBI and the FBI didn't do anything. Um, we reached out to the sex trafficking line. The girl decided to tell me that there's there's nothing of information that I've given her um, enough of it to prove that she could have been sex trafficked. Um, we called the Oregon, the state, the, is it the state officers, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them have stepped forward. We've contacted, um, is it 
private uh, private investigators mm-hmm. and they just say oh well we're not going to be able to do much for you like it's just a circle that it, it just it's ongoing like right. back and forth this and it's never like oh well maybe now we get to go that way or this way like it's just always the same thing and it's it's like how does how do people not go crazy you know um it's sad like they they haven't done anything for us I apologize what is your stepdad's name is it Q Adamak is that how you say it well to be quite honest with you I never considered him my stepdad well, He's really her husband excuse me nothing to us <laughs> but it's his name is Cuauhtemo I don't know where that name originates from, but it's very, it's a rare name, um, but Cuauhtemo. And then it's Romero Sanchez is what his name is. Yeah. Okay. Is he, I mean, outside of this situation with your mom, would you consider him dangerous? Is he a scary guy? I do think he is dangerous. Um, I, there's, there's no reason for me to think that he's a safe person to be around. Um, Very sketchy. He also you know, was being really weird with my brother. When my brother would leave school, this was shortly after she had disappeared. He, three times, three different occasions. Um, one time he saw my brother walking from school and he's like, he stopped him and he's like, oh, well, do you want to ride? My brother said no. Next time he's like, oh, will you give me your number? My brother said no. And then third time he's like, oh, well, I, um, I can give you some money if you need anything. And of course, a, a child they're going to be like, Ooh, money, you know, yeah. like he's a nice person. He's giving me money. Why is he mean? And I did talk to my brother and said, you know, that's a way for people to trick you into thinking that they're a good person. And they want to like trap you in, in their, um, whatever their intentions are, they want to trap you. And so I'm glad my brother was open, like minded. And he thought, no, this isn't right. And so okay. when I told my dad, he's like, that's scary. Like he probably wouldn't have had good intentions. Um, it's just a lot of things. And I know I don't think that he's safe at all, honestly, but I don't know. Um, that's why I just wanted to always be away because I didn't feel safe around him. And are you all living in the same town? Like he's still no. there as well? Oh, no, you're not. Okay. No, um, my dad is still in Hermiston. My sister is still in the same uh, location. And I, I moved towns because okay. I t- wanted to get away I was gonna say that's probably good I'm glad that you're not yeah near him um from what we know he's living somewhere else um he comes to her house back and forth but he's not like full-time living there anymore because he knows that he's being watched and followed um to see if there's any behavior that's off Mm -hmm. um so he's not like actually living there he goes back and forth though so does she own that house your mom yeah, it was her house that she um she owned. So who who's watching him and tracking him? Is that the police? You think they're still investigating him? I think that they might still go around the house and you know watch to see if he um shows up or anything like that. But we haven't even heard anything from the detectives saying where they state that they're still, you know, roaming around the area to see if there's anything off. We mm-hmm. it's, Uh, It's been so long. I don't even remember the last time. Yeah. So you mentioned that even private investigators said that they would probably have a hard time with this. Do you, if you get your GoFundMe filled, do you think you will be able to find one that's willing to work on it and try to make progress? Yeah, we would definitely go into finding like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we can also find a detective, like a private investigator, because they're expensive. We it's just so hard for us to go and, you know, pay that because it's not, it's not $200. It's thousands of dollars. And like they, you know, and then at the end, we don't even know if they're going to do anything for us. So like we, we would like to find a really good, um, like, uh, what is it? A lawyer kind of like the girl that got, um, murdered from the army. I think her name was Vanessa. I forgot her last name. Um, we were thinking of, you know, maybe finding somebody with that, you know, potential, like to, you know, I think that could help you. I think that could help you with the police and possibly the FBI and getting more attention and actually testing evidence. So we'll definitely be making a donation and hopefully our listeners do too. And I think, um, because I think that's really important. And I know a lot of us in true crime, we love listening to cases, especially when they're solved and we don't know the people. It's a lot harder to sit and listen to someone whose mother has disappeared and nobody's yeah. doing anything about it. So I hope that they're 
connecting and empathizing with you because I certainly do. Like the minute you messaged me or you posted a comment on my TikTok about your mom and I looked at it and I'm like, oh my God, like red flag central. Of course I'm covering this. Like, yeah. What if that was my mom? I would hope that the police are doing their job. So I absolutely will do everything I can to keep her name out there. And I appreciate you talking to me about this. I know this is hard. This is your life every day. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's hard for, for all of us. It's really hard to honestly cope with it. It's, it's a nightmare. Like I still wake up every day and I'm like, how is this real? Like, how did this happen to my mom? You, you see this on TV, you see this on the internet everywhere yeah. and you're, and people scroll and they're like, Oh, that's another one of those. I personally felt it every time I saw that. And then to think, damn, it happened to me. It happened to my sister, my brothers, our family. It's crazy. Um, you just never know when it's going to happen to your loved one. And it, it, when it does, you feel so bad, uh, like your hands are tied, like you can't do nothing. And yeah. the people that are supposed to back us up and the, the, the law, the justice system, they're not doing anything. Who are we supposed to rely on to help us? It's, And then when people um go and do and take matters into their own hands what do they do they get prosecuted for it yeah, oh for exactly. that, they do prosecute them but they don't prosecute the person that needs to be further investigated that has a lot of evidence on him or there was a lot of red flags that they don't do nothing about the case it's like what are you doing you're not even doing your job like yeah. I can't believe it. it's embarrassing um to think that they are just not doing anything and she was a person like she had a business she had so many clients, right. um, they have, like, I feel like they don't care about that. They don't care about her life. They don't care about her, her case. It, it's sad. I think that there should be more coverage on this case. There should be a lot more, you know, information. Um, she's, I think she got reported nationwide as a missing person or flagged, but if they're not, nobody's doing anything. It's like, what? <laughs> What's the whole, you know, it's sad. It is. Like, it's like, especially when you're an adult, it's almost like you're in the media for just a few moments and then life moves mm -hmm. on and there's some, yeah. a child case or a more sensationalized case. And, you know, that's what I'm happy. I have a platform that I can out like, highlight cases like this, where it's like, Hey guys, don't forget about this whole family. Who's missing this cornerstone, this person that means everything you know, whatever we can do for you. If you, um, you know, send us photos, we'll, we'll post them anniversary special. Like we, we want to keep her name out there and I hope that you get answers and that the police do their job. But I think, I think the GoFundMe is where we're going to make the biggest progress. Let's get you guys funded so you can hire yeah. a lawyer. That is huge. I really pray that one day, um, you know, we can reach some sort of, a goal and like we have our goal is obviously to find her more than anything like you know but the only way we could do that is the support we need is the law and yeah. if we we just need to find somebody who's going to help us and it's hard to do it on our own like we're not rich people we're not people who if we've even struggled to work during this time like the pandemic's already hell mm -hmm. and then going through this it's even worse it's like it's hard to move, move forward. We're, it's real, like, you have to be strong and, um, nobody's going to pay our bills. Nobody's going to pay for a lawyer. I mean, yeah. that's why we, it's just like, what, that's why we're, we're thankful for all the people who came together last year. Honestly, like I want to cry thinking about the visual because my mom had depression and she thought people didn't care about her. She thought she wasn't loved. And, um, even if it was like for that day that people showed up and maybe now they don't share, they don't talk about her case. They made the effort to get up that day and go and support yeah. us. And it was so many people. It was crazy. I, I look at the pictures and I start to cry because I'm like, wow, all of these people. And she thought she wasn't loved. Like if they're there, it's because they care. They, they're, they, they want to support us and her. Right. And she's very well known in the community. She's loved and appreciated and she made an impact in other people's lives she was a great mom um she always helped out when she when people needed help she was a great hairstylist like <laughs> yeah she um, always looked fly too. her hair every color yeah. I've seen looked yeah. fantastic 
I think that if she ever came back, everybody would go back to her and all her clients and even more people would be intrigued in going back, like yeah. getting her as a, like, you know, it, and it, it's hard to think that that could happen, but you never know. Like this world is just, it goes in so many directions. And I just hope that if she's still here, that she gets, you know, directed back to where she needs to be and it's with their family. Um, but you know, I just don't know anymore what can really happen at this point. It's been so long already. I can't believe I haven't seen my mom in almost two years. Yeah. So is there anything that you want people to know that I didn't ask you or that you haven't said yet that you want them to know about your mom or this case or about your family, anything? My family and I are very thankful um, for everybody's support, everybody who's donated, everybody who's at her vigil in March or who's reached out to us, who's given us, you know, examples of resources where we can reach out to. Um, as far as right now, there's not any really new information we can give to the public. We just every day wake up thinking, damn, she's still gone. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, we just, you know, ask whoever is out there that believes in prayer to please pray for our family, um, to pray for her and her soul. Like if she's not here anymore so that, you know, she can be given an opportunity. Like I, I, um, I am a strong believer that, you know, if you pray for over somebody or family, it, it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, we really do take serious the the fact of you know our donations for the GoFundMe. Like we really, really want to find somebody to help us. We really, really want to get some sort of answers. We at least want to try to, you know, protect her properties and her assets and everything. And we don't we're stressed out about that too because we don't want anybody else to keep that. My little brother, you know, he's. I mean, if anybody out there is wondering like how he's doing, um, he's almost 16. He, he's a really, really, really sweet little boy. And he's just growing up to be amazing. Um, he gets good grades. Um, he gets himself up and he plays sports and he's trying to distract himself. So, uh, Jacob's doing good. And my sister and her kids, obviously they're, they're suffering. The little kids are suffering, I'm struggling with it as well. I don't really show it, but I just feel that we're really thankful for all the support we get um, and all the genuine people out there. If anybody could you know, help us, if anybody has any sort of resource that could really get us some sort of answers or uh, could make a difference for our family, please reach out to us. Um, I We have a website for... Um, her GoFundMe and then we also have a TikTok and we have an Instagram page for her uh, and a Facebook page and, and we that's can post we all of that on our episode guide so people have access yeah. to that yeah and we like that's where a lot of the updates go on to onto her page and um, if there's any new information well it's going to be uploaded onto her pages we also have a, a Twitter for her like all all social media platforms like we literally have a page for her and so I just want her case to go more viral like mm -hmm. you know all the people that are missing um all the TikToks we see of people who duet um this case a million times it's like I just pray that that can be my mom's case that goes more viral than it already has and yeah I mean I don't know what else to say besides like Thank you for all the support and for any, for all of you guys that reach out, including yourself, uh, for wanting to talk to me and to know about, you know, the case and get her information more out there. My sister couldn't make it to the interview. She really wanted to be part of it. And my mom's sister also couldn't make it. But um, I mean, I guess I'm speaking a little bit for them because they weren't <laughs> If anybody else like wants to interview us, wants, you know, to know about the case more or whatever it is, like they're welcome to reach out and interview us. We don't mind spreading the word. It doesn't matter how long it takes until we can find her, find some sort of, you know, evidence. Absolutely. So we'll share all of your guys' social media so that people can check it out and follow the case and offer their support in any way they can. But Gabby, thank you so much for joining me today. We'll spread the word and get some photos in our blog so everyone can see what your mom looks like and share it out with other people. So I appreciate it very much. 
and would you say in a week or so you're going to be posting it? I'm really yeah. like looking forward to seeing how many people actually reach out or are interested in the case. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that somebody reaches out and says, Hey, you know, I'm interested in this case and I want to kind of jump in and help. Mm-hmm. So that's and you never know. We yeah. have a lot of listeners who work in, you know, they work in law or they work in the courts. Somebody might have a great resource to help or be able to offer their own time even to help you. So that's what my, what my hope is that somebody can help. I really hope somebody comes forward and says, Hey, I want to help you. Um, please let me help you guys investigate the case more. Like yeah. any, anything like that just helps. So I'm um, looking forward to, you know, everybody hearing the story. Thank you so much for your time. I also appreciate it. Yeah, of course, Gabby, let me keep in touch and I will reach okay. out soon. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. <laughs> I think you can see why I wanted to highlight this case. It's absolutely heartbreaking to watch a family suffer and not have the means to try to solve the case. I had never even heard of this case until Gabby commented on one of my TikTok videos requesting coverage. Once I looked at the case, I knew I wanted to share her story. And after speaking with Gabby, I was pretty taken aback at how not only the family, but the public feels police are handling this case. Online, people feel similarly to what Gabby expressed, that they could be doing more. I did reach out to the Hermiston police in the hopes that one of the detectives would talk to me or even just send an email statement on the current status. They did reply to the email and they said they can't discuss the case since it's open, but they wanted to be clear. They are actively working on it and they claim to keep the family up to date. And as you can tell from the conversation with Gabby, that's not exactly how the family feels. And I am utterly shocked that there was possible evidence left in the house and not taken to be tested. Alicia, I know you haven't listened to the full interview yet, but what are your initial thoughts? It's definitely concerning how the husband handled it. You know, I like to reserve um, assumptions or accusations until there's more concrete evidence. Mm -hmm. But that's very concerning, all of that. The fact that, oh, she got up and left in the middle of the night. Well, if you're that close with your kids... How is there not a plan in place? Or by this point, now that we're at two years, that there hasn't been at least one communication or mm-hmm. an accidental butt dial even? I mean, or you know, some anything. sort of message sent. You know, Gabby mentioned her mom and stepdad, or she doesn't like to consider my stepdad. Her mm-hmm. mom and her husband, they were having problems. It sounds like Graciela was talking to another man. And right there, that's a scenario where a husband would have something to do yeah. with something going wrong. Yeah. That's a common type of murder mm-hmm. is one out of a fit of rage or jealousy. Like that could happen to anybody. Um, so that was a red flag for me. But the fact that she described him as scary and dangerous and that they said he looked as if he was lying, I don't discount people's gut judgments. Oh, yeah, no, especially when they know the situation. Right. For and sure. While I would never say you're a murderer without concrete evidence, there is something there that needs to be explored. And I'm not saying the police aren't doing it. They're just not talking about it. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been arrested. And I asked Gabby, like, does it feel like they're waiting for him to slip up so they can arrest him for something they do have evidence oh. on? But she described there were things left in the house that she thinks should be tested. But they don't have the money to go do this themselves. Right. And that's unfortunate. Like, while we're all going to be the biggest advocates for finding someone in our family, we shouldn't have to be doing that. Right. There are government agencies that should be doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's why we pay taxes. So it's very hard to sit and listen to that. So we can only do what we can using our platform to make sure people hear about these things. Yeah, it's really a heartbreaking story. And it's you just can't imagine for that family, you know, especially that close, you know, you and I are close with our families and to be in touch with someone daily, if not, you know, every other day or something, and to just have them drop off the face of the earth would be crushing, you know, just, yeah. And the frustration, I just, I cannot fathom that being your everyday life and just wanting to wake up from it. You know, thinking it's a, a nightmare and or something. And she mentioned that. It's just, like, unbelievable that she, when she sits and thinks about it. And the fact that the entire town is like, everyone knows he did it. Right. It's just so hard. Yeah. And something I had stumbled across the other day doing different research, 
which came to mind when you were saying that is I and I had always believed this. But for almost every type of missing person, you don't have to wait 24 hours. No, there's no such thing. I think that's always been the assumption that like, oh, if it's not a kid, you have to wait 24 hours. And that actually happened uh, a few weeks ago. My uncle had a medical emergency and was lost. And we were like, I mean, he was missing. We had no idea if he was driving and got in an accident, if he his medical condition caused him to get lost, if someone found him on the side of the road and took him, we had no idea. And my mom talked to my aunt, and it had been um, like six hours since he had left. And she was like, well, I have to wait. I don't know what to do until then. And my mom had to be like, you don't have to wait. Call the police. So yep. I think that's an important thing for people to remember is that like if someone is not where they're supposed to be and it's out of character and it's wrong and you know that something's up, like you can call and you can file that right away and get that going fast. Especially, well, I mean, if his alibi is that she up and left. And that could be the case. You know what I mean? Like, But at the same time, I mean, I know you can always say no one ever knows anybody fully, but to go from like doting mother to yes, completely well, gone. And the most alarming thing is Gabby said pretty early on the police treated it as a homicide. So mm, clearly they know they more. Know. And, you know, I realize they can't tell us everything. Right. Guys, that's how it works. I know there are people online going, oh, I found no this one connection. About, Do you yeah. think the FBI isn't going to find that connection, y'all? Yeah. I, you know what? And there are things they don't say because it can totally either damage the case in court or it can affect the ability to catch the person. Right. And, you know, there is also a lot of chatter with this Gabby Petito case mm-hmm. about Dog the Bounty Hunter now being involved. And oh, he is? He or is. Was. But let me let me say for a minute. In Florida, Mm -hmm. it's one of few states that you have to actually have a license to be a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. He has one. Mm -hmm. He has found over 8,000 people. There's a reason he got his own show. Right. Yes, he's a silly celebrity guy, but he is incredibly good at his job. Right. So I wouldn't discount why he's involved. But one of the things I learned recently digging into that is... Um, bounty hunters don't have to follow the laws that police officers right. do. They don't have to announce themselves when they go into a person's house. They don't have to read they don't Miranda have to have warrants. rights. They don't have to. They're have not going to wreck a case like yeah. a, a police officer might. So I, I think that's really interesting. It's actually, I'm glad he's involved. Right. It, I know he's silly looking, and but you can cut through some red tape and get some answers a exactly. little faster as long as it's done in a way that you know, like I said, doesn't end up. Right. Messing anything up long term. But, you know, why I bring that up is in this case, the family wants to hire a PI and they want to Mm -hmm. hire a lawyer. And I I told Gabby in the interview, I'm hopeful we can help you make some of those goals, because I think the most important thing is getting a lawyer to put some pressure on the police department. Um, The FBI has been contacted. Has anything happened? No. Right. So I one of the concerning and I'm going to call it out right now. It is a rumor. I saw it online. A few weeks ago, somebody said this this husband has connections to the police. And this uh, is Eastern Oregon, guys. Like That's very possible. I'm not going to say that that's true, but that's concerning mm-hmm. that people are saying that. Right. Yeah, that that's even being discussed. It's like, where did that come from? And how come there are only like four news articles you can find on this? Like, right. it's very, it's so sad that she had to go to a content creator on TikTok to even get this case talked about yeah. i'm glad i could be that person that she reached out to but it's um it's very sad and they don't have a ton of followers on their social media accounts designed to help get this out oh, so okay. i'm hoping we can assist with that yeah do uh, they have a gofundme or something yep. for the lawyer and pi oh wonderful one of the things we can do to show our support of finding out what happened to graciella is to share on social media In the interview with Gabby, you heard her mention how amazing it is to see cases go viral. I've recorded a TikTok video about Graciela, and it's currently sitting at a little over 20,000 views. That video is shareable, and it's pinned to the top of my account, at EM underscore Murder in the Rain. We also have an Instagram. We will post about Graciela, and we will tag their Instagram account so that you can share that as well. Please help us spread the word. Now, if everyone listening was willing to donate a dollar Graciella's GoFundMe would be complete. 
GoFundMe does require a minimum of $10. So if you can donate 10 or more, that would be amazing. The GoFundMe link is in the show notes. If you can donate a dollar, you can actually send that to us via PayPal or Venmo. Our PayPal can be found on our website, or you can go to PayPal and send it to murderintherain at gmail.com. Our Venmo is at murderintherain. We'll be sending a donation on October 15th. So you have two weeks that you can send us funds, and we'll go ahead and add it to ours, and we'll make that donation. I really want to help this family make progress on her case. I think the best way to do that is by getting them a lawyer and a PI. It's totally unacceptable that we don't know more about where Gracie is. I think everyone can agree there is a person of interest in this case. Yeah. If you want to stay up to date on the case, we have all of the Find Gracie social media accounts in our show notes. And we also have them on our blog as well as our donation QR codes. Thank you so much for listening hopefully donating, and hopefully sharing. Let's help find Gracie. Sounds pretty darn good in here, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if we were in a garage with the door open, it would sound even better. And we all had (laughs) diarrhea or whatever that woman has. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I mean, I got that covered. The number threes. Me too. (laughs) Kim S. from Atlanta, Georgia. 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 (laughs) Where's that? Uh. (coughs) Cough jinx. Twins. (laughs) Oh, a funky dunk. Funky dunk. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Oh, (laughs) like that. A funky dunk. He actually saves them and then he types out a transcript to everything we've ever said and then hangs them on the wall. Oh my God. I mail them to the government. (laughs) She also said I'm not allowed at her birthday party because she's afraid (laughs) her friends will want to sit with me because of my TikTok and not her. Oh my God. (laughs) That's like me with my mom and her horses. I had certain (laughs) friends that just love talking horse with my mom and I hated it. So I stopped inviting them over. (laughs) I had that problem too. Oh. I don't know the order of voices. Alto is the am. lowest of a I don't female know what I voice. Sing. There's soprano, one hey. soprano, mezzo soprano, <laughs> alto one, alto two, um, and then the tenor, bass. baritone bass. Pavarotti. <laughs> this oh is my, my God. Voice now. Was Pavarotti in the room just now? See. <laughs> Claiming to have awoken the morning of November. Oh my God, I can't. My mouth isn't working. November 9th. November 9th. What is happening? It's that pumpkin phone. What if I, like, you witnessed me having a stroke and the, it just stopped? Bell's palsy. I would go smile. I'd, wit- I'd witness you having a stroke. Ayo. You know what I mean? <laughs> Murder in the Rain is produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Written and hosted by Emily Rowney and Alicia Holland. Artwork by Jamie Costa. Music by Kai Pfeiffer at kyfifer.com. Check out our website, murderintherain.com, for additional information on all cases, a fun interactive map, and be sure to subscribe so you can receive our newsletter. Check out the Mad Props page for coupon codes from some of our sponsors. We love your reviews and seeing them on all streaming platforms, especially iTunes. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And suck my balls. (laughs) Please put that in. (laughs) 